Sullivan insisted yesterday after practice that he's got no issue playing younger players. And that sounded really good. You know what would be even better? If he actually did it. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. It's Penguins versus Bruins tonight in Boston. 7.08 p.m. face-off. Good matchup. Penguins are 4-2, winners of four in a row. They actually played their two best games in the two losses. Bruins are 3-1-1. I've expected Boston all along to be one of those shoe-ins for the four playoff spots in the East. It could be entertaining. It also could be a challenge. And the Penguins are going to be hit with a lot of challenges over the course of this 56-game schedule that now has, just like that, only 50 games left. Among those clearly, painfully, obviously, will be showing the energy, the fire, the hunger that you need to succeed in a scenario like this. There's nothing that I've liked less about the Penguins' start than how they're missing that specific facet. And I can't begin to conceive how anybody could even argue against that. If you watched that game Sunday night against the Rangers, this was the equivalent of a comatose tennis match between those teams for the first, oh, period and a half, where if all the Penguins had was some kind of jump, some kind of spark to them, it would have made a difference. I'm not suggesting that putting Sam Lafferty or Drew O'Connor or anybody else, any single player or a couple of players, will magically transform all of the veterans into, uh, you know, rabid animals. Certainly not Evgeny Malkin the way he's going lately. But we've all seen evidence that it makes a difference. It makes a difference in the immediate time frame because of that jolt, that spark, that competitive thing that it creates. Veterans hate when young kids come along and start looking all jumpy and bouncing all over the rink. Makes them feel old. Makes them feel like their time is due. You know? That so much is what happened in 2016, by the way. Penguins veterans were all just kind of dragging. Do you remember it? That was what caused the Penguins to bring up Connor Sherry, Scott Wilson, Tom Kuhnhackle, Brian Rust, all came up in one fell swoop, and they just start scoring, and they're bouncing all over the place, and guys like Chris Kunitz start looking in the mirror going, whoa, hang on a second, what about me? It makes a difference. But it also makes a difference into the future, and by that I don't even mean you know a year or two or whatever. I'm talking about it in another month because what ends up happening is you put in a Lafferty, you put in an O'Connor, you put in anybody who's young, and they show better 
than maybe you're expecting, then they stay. And then you're a deeper, stronger overall team that can better withstand injuries. We're watching this right now on defense. We are. We're watching it with Pierre-Olivier Joseph. I got to tell you, it's only been a couple of games, but I'm not taking POJ out of the lineup for Mike Matheson when he comes back for any reason other than the fact that Matheson's making $6 million and was acquired for Patrick Hornquist. That's it. I don't necessarily think that's a great idea either, but that's when you try to move him to some other team. If Joseph keeps playing the way he did, if he keeps growing, if he keeps maturing, these are good things, but they don't happen if you don't ever give these kids a chance. O'Connor, he was given probably more of an opportunity in training camp than most youngsters will get. And I have a feeling that that's one of those side deals that teams strike when they get these college free agents because for anybody who doesn't know this, you can't pay a college free agent more than another team can. So you have to sell them on your experience, on your environment. Do you know what I'm saying? So in order for them to get Drew O'Connor in, they have to tell him, uh, we have a real opening here for you. We're not just going to bury you. So when he shows up at camp and he's taking alternating shifts on the fourth line while all the rest of the youngsters are put on the taxi squad, that's kind of them honoring their commitment to him. But he still hasn't gotten into a game. Sam Lafferty was their best player, their very best player at the most recent, uh, well, I should say the summer training camp before the playoff debacle against Montreal. And then he was scratched for the first couple games. Why? Why? Because he's young. Oh, no. Didn't matter. Why should it have mattered? In fact, if anything, it should have been a plus. Montreal wasn't hiding their young guys. As a result, Montreal was skating circles around Pittsburgh's old guys. Find a way to get them in. Find a way to work them in. But especially when it's hitting you in the face. The way it has lately, this team is lacking a lot right now. Why should anyone on this roster, outside of a couple of really, really obvious guys, feel comfortable with their spot in the lineup? Are you telling me that Jason Zucker would be, I don't know, put off or offended or whatever it would be, or rightly so, even if he was? With the way he's skating around, turning the puck over, falling on his face. This is what I'm talking about. Use these situations to make something better of it. If you don't want to go hard, or if you're playing just terribly, I'll give you a couple games, if I'm Mike Sullivan, to figure it out. But if you don't, I'm sorry, man. I got these kids here. They're ready to go. I mean, they might not make every correct decision all over the rink. They probably won't. They definitely won't, actually. But I'm still going to play them. So here's the, the situation now. Here's the situation now. Evan Rodriguez is hurt. I think it's his knee, based on what I saw of the collision. And the moment 
Mike Sullivan used the the phrase longer term yesterday to describe it, I think it's probably something pretty bad in that knee. We'll see. I obviously hope not. He's a pretty good hockey player, uh, a good fourth line guy to have. People were riding him, I know, because he was on the first line. That wasn't his fault. That's where he was told to play. So he'll be missed, but there's an opening. There's an opening. And the way practice was conducted yesterday, Mark Jankowski was the center of the fourth line, and three other guys rotated around him. Colton Sevier, the veteran, who I'm quite confident will stay in the lineup just because he's a penalty kill guy, and that's that's the correct decision. But that'll leave an opening for Lafferty or O'Connor. And the fact that Sullivan made that very clear in a practice means he wants to see those guys duke it out. Fine, but it doesn't always just have to be young guy versus young guy duking it out. Zucker has no business being comfortable at the risk of repeating myself. The same goes for other guys in that lineup, if and when they struggle. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by Warrior Alpaca Socks. What makes their socks different is the alpaca fiber used in their construction. It's stronger, softer, far less irritating to the skin, more breathable, hypoallergenic, warmer than wool. This is the time of year for Warrior Alpaca Socks. When you go to their website, warrioralpacasocks.com, use the code DK to get 15% off your first order. One more time, warrioralpacasocks.com, use the code DK just for our podcast listeners. Here's exactly what Sullivan said on this topic yesterday after practice. Well, I, I'm not sure it's difficult. I just think it's a process. And so, you know, the, what's made it difficult is the circumstance because, you know, we didn't have a, a full training camp. We didn't get an opportunity to play in exhibition games. You know, we've got a taxi squad that we're trying to manage. So I think logistics have made it difficult. But but the process, I think, is, uh, you know, it, it, that takes place every year with young players. And, you know, one thing I will say about our coaching staff is is we believe in, and uh, given players opportunities to uh, to help this team win and get better. And we're, we're trying to put the best 12 forwards and six defensemen on the ice each and every night. And uh, whether they're young, whether they're experienced, uh, really doesn't matter. It's, it's more about who's going to help us win. And that's the question that we try to answer. That's the question that I pose to the coaching staff uh, on a daily basis. And then we drill down into details and specifics and roles and and, and uh, you know, the pros and cons of, of all the players and all the scenarios. And then ultimately, I try to make the best decision for the team. That, my friends, is a head coach who is aware of the criticisms that occur around him. He really is. I'm not guessing at that, believe me. He's aware. And that's okay. That's okay. It doesn't hurt to have your antennas raised when you're in a position like that. And it also can tough in the skin but he doesn't like that criticism I'm not sure why he's defensive of it Uh, it might be because he's heard from others that Dan Bilesma got it way before him and that the Penguins in general are seen as a team that just always 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 favors the veterans Um, he's He's a guy who has his heart in the right place when it comes to this sort of thing. I really believe that. I also believe 
that this head coach has demonstrated more than he's given credit for using young players if they check off certain boxes. For every young player like a Daniel Sprong that will criticize him over, never mind that Sprong hasn't caught on anywhere with anyone, there's a Marcus Pedersen that he just instantly falls in love with and plays to death. The boxes that need to be checked, of course, is that the young player has to be defensively aware and reliable. And sure enough, whenever Sullivan had his talk with Lafferty over being scratched these past three games, the focus was mostly on on being physical, on using his frame, which is something that he did get away from in the couple of games that he's played this season. And as a result, I didn't say much of anything when he was scratched. He has to be that player. That's what he was in training camp, uh, this most recent training camp, and going back to the summer when he impressed. He's a big boy. He needs to he needs to lay it into people and then use his other skills around that. But the other thing he mentioned was defending and puck management. And that's going to be the principal concern with O'Connor as well, who's never even taken a shift in the NHL. I get that to an extent, to an extent. Not everyone needs to be Brian Rust the moment they show up, where they're just super dedicated to all 200 feet of the ice and ready to sacrifice themselves in any way so that they take care of this first and then eventually they'll get to the offense. They're kids. They're kids. Kids play offense. It's what they do. They attack. They're aggressive. Use that to your advantage. Work with the kid as you go along, but use that to your advantage. I would rather have that in my lineup, even if it's a lower spot, like what we're talking about right now is the fourth line. Even if it's down there on the depth chart, I'll take it. I'm not going to put them out there with a tied score in the third period, but I might use them to give my team something of a list. And again, to give some of those veterans something to think about. Let them get a little nervous when they see Sam Lafferty knocking somebody over or going to the net and scoring a big goal the way he was when he first came up last season. Let him get a little nervous. Let him get a little bit like, whoa. You know, I remember when I used to do that. I hope it starts. I I hope it starts tonight in Boston. We'll see. In this case, seeing is believing. When we come back, just one question. Just one question. If you'd like to submit one to this program, you can do so by visiting DK Pittsburgh Sports. Find the article that encompasses this podcast and just leave it in comments right underneath there. No chance I'll miss it. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you always by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. They're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need in western Pennsylvania. They're here for you. 
when you need them. Go to pittsburghfoodbank.org slash get help to find food near you. Today's Just One Question comes from Joshua Kasich, who asks, do you think the Penguins will try and work out a deal with the Golden Knights for Marc-Andre Fleury if the Vegas organization retains 50% of his contract? Flowers not coming back is my short answer. I don't believe that there's a whole lot of pluses to making Tristan Jari your number one goaltender after several years and after he's earned it. Then sending Matt Murray out the door and then bringing Flower back and saying, well, I mean, we gave you a couple weeks or we gave you a month, you know, or a couple months or whatever it is, but you are what you are and we're just going to stick with it. We can fantasize, and those of us uh, who who love Flower, and I've, I've known him and his family going back to even before his first arrival in Pittsburgh, if you can believe that, went up to northern Quebec to spend some time uh, at his home. This was, I mean, he was 18 years old. Uh, I wouldn't mind having Flower around. That's going to be true of absolutely everyone you talk to inside and outside the Penguins organization in the city of Pittsburgh. But to think about this from the standpoint of, well, he can just come back and be the backup. He can just come back and be the guy who uh, mentors Jari. No, he actually can't. He actually can't. There are a lot of things that Flower can do and has done in his career and in his life. He has never once been the mentor, and he is not remotely comfortable being the backup. I told the story from that trip that I made up to the city. It's called Sorel Tracy, and it's barely a city. It's a really, really small place up in northern Quebec. A defenseman who played for his not junior team. It was earlier than that. My memory's slipping a little bit, but I do remember the guy's name crazy enough after all this time. It's, it's, it's Benjamin Cornwayer, and he told me the story of when Flower was cut from his uh, team, his youth team, and how after the the session, when he was designated to be the backup or something to that effect, no one could find him, and they'd all left the rink. And Benjamin came back to the rink and found Flower sitting alone on the bench, throwing up. He couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle it. Now, maybe he will. I'm obviously throwing you something from his childhood here, but he's never changed in that regard. He's hated being the backup. We all saw his reaction when Matt Murray took over in 2017. We all saw and heard about his reaction through his agent, Alan Walsh, whenever the Golden Knights committed to Robin Leonard. Now, again, we can all say, well, he's getting older now. He's in his, 
he's in his early 30s, he's going to mature and understand and whatever. But we haven't seen that. And in this particular dynamic where Jari entered the Pittsburgh organization with Flurry held up in almost godlike status, that's just not going to work. You're going to you're going to kill one asset to bring in another. I really really strongly believe that. I get that everybody loves flour. I love flour. There's nobody who doesn't love flour, but this won't work. This absolutely won't work. The Penguins might decide to go and get goaltending reinforcements as they move along, but I can tell you unequivocally that at the moment, they're perfectly satisfied with the two that they've got. I appreciate the question, Josh. I really do. I love getting stuff like this. Uh, It's outside the typical what line should they do this or that with uh, or something from yesterday. It's a bigger scope thing. I hope I get more of them, and I hope I didn't discourage you by answering this one the way that I did. But as you can tell, it's a subject that I feel strongly about as well. Thanks to everybody for listening. We will do this again tomorrow. Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.